Welcome to the Into Security Chats podcast, brought to you by Info Security Magazine, the leading industry magazine and website for information and cybersecurity. I'm your host, Beth Mondral, Info Security's editor, and during this podcast, I will be shining the spotlight on some of the industry's finest minds. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Into Security Chats podcast. This month, I'm delighted to be joined by a teacher, entrepreneur, and woman in tech advocate, Jan Carroll. Thank you for joining me today and taking the time out of your busy schedule to share your story. Hi, Beth. Thanks for inviting me. I'm so delighted to be here. So I'm really excited to speak to you, Jan, because of the passion that kind of just oozes from you um, in everything you do in terms of like the quick chats we've had, but also what you've been doing online. And um, one of the reasons I wanted to reach out to you was after reading a fantastic article that you had actually penned yourself about your journey into cybersecurity. Um, So we know that you've set up your own company Um, the Fortify Institute, and you do a lot of teaching in the technology sphere. But I thought I'd hand it over to you to just give yourself a little bit of an introduction before we begin our conversation. Okay, thanks, Beth. Well, I'm exactly as you introduced me today in that order. I'm a teacher, I'm an entrepreneur, and I'm a woman in tech. And I've always been in tech when it wasn't, you know, a common thing for a woman to do. But I started as an electrician. And then I moved into electronics and that began my love of learning. I'm constantly taking courses to upskill and learn new things. I eventually moved into teaching to a job I loved because it was second chance education for adults to do the things they always wanted to do. And that's how I got into cybersecurity. One day I was asked that question, what would you do if you had your time again? And I said cybersecurity. And I I would recommend that everyone asks themselves that question. And if you're lucky enough to be able to do it, well, then you should. You should take that leap. I completed a master's in applied cybersecurity. And then I was lucky enough to work for a couple of the best cyber firms in Ireland for a few years. And now I'm back teaching my own company. And it's the best job in the world. Amazing. Um, That's a great list of accolades. And I think it's... um, important for people like yourself to showcase what you are doing. But before we get into the crux of the conversation and kind of explore some of those things that you've just talked about, um, one of the traditions of the Chats podcast is to ask our guests if you were to recommend a food and drink pairing for our listeners to enjoy whilst they um, tune into our discussion, what would be your two suggestions? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm on a bit of a health kick at the moment. So for me, it would be a nice square of dark chocolate and a cup of tea. A, a cup of a cup of tea I can 100% get behind. And also, I I do like a bit of dark chocolate. Mm. Uh, chili chocolate, are you a fan of that oh, one? Yeah. 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 So we can spice things up a bit as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Excellent. So I hope um, that gives our listeners a little bit of a taste for how our conversation is going to go. This podcast is kindly sponsored by Tufin. Tufin is known for its expertise in security policy automation. Tufin makes network security simpler, 
easier and more resilient in minutes instead of days. What I really wanted to start with was kind of leaning on your passion for teaching and what you're doing with your own company at the moment and a trend or it's not necessarily a trend, but a topic that's often discussed within the cybersecurity industry, which is the um, skills shortage. Yeah, it, it is. It's, it's a huge issue at the moment. And where do we, what do we do? How do we address it? And there's so many angles that we can, we can take it from because there are, um, there, there are the need for the InfoSec and cybersecurity specialists. And there are specialist degrees and industry certs available for those professionals to gain skills and to upskill. But what I find in my experience is there's also the need for support and training for smaller organizations and SMEs of all time, of all types. So how can we support them in managing their risk and implementing a cyber response plan? And then we also need to move away from this idea that information security and defending from cyber attacks is an IT problem. It's not. We all have a part, part to play. All organisations need to implement a security culture so that everyone is aware of the threats and what they can do to defend against them from the CEO down. Um, and then we also have the issue with people working from home and hybrid working has increased. So we need to extend secure work practice to secure everywhere. Okay, so we not only do we need to be secure cyber workers, we need to be cyber aware citizens. And as our work life uh, spills into our home life, attackers know that we let our guard down when we're at home. And that's where they'll target that attack. They'll take, they'll time the phishing emails and the calls to when we're at home, and they'll target our personal applications in the hope that we're reusing our passwords, and many of us are. Um, there are, there's also many people within society who still don't know how to protect themselves from cyber attacks. We're in the industry, we know this stuff, but I think those of us in the industry have a responsibility to the rest of the community to help promote awareness to others where we can, whether it's our families, our schools, our community groups, and this in turn makes us all safer. I 100% agree with you on that. Like, it's not just about um, the people within the industry. We need to look at the broader society challenges. And I want to bring it back to you then, because one of the things you said to me in our previous chats was that you were part of the Great Resignation. And obviously, the Great Resignation has been something that's kind of been blamed for enhancing this skill shortage that we're facing now. So, what was you, what's your story when you say I was part of the great resignation? Yes, this great res resignation. And I didn't even know it was a thing until long after it happened. Uh, COVID-19, the pandemic has been catastrophic for many of us. And my heart goes out to those who have lost loved ones. Um, what I found is I took it as an opportunity for reflection and to take stock. I was uh, working for one of the big uh, cyber firms in Ireland. I loved my job. It was all consuming, but that was on me. I throw myself 100% into everything. But during lockdown, I was working from home. My kids were homeschooling. Uh, our parents were cocooning. And I realized this wasn't the path for me for the next 20 years. I didn't have that balance that we all strive for. Um, I miss teaching. And that was a big surprise to me because when I left teaching, it was a relief, but I actually, I really missed it. 
So I came up with a plan to merge my passions of teaching, cybersecurity, community work, and increasing diversity in tech to start a company. And that's how Fortify Institute came to be. Obviously, we've kind of set the landscape with the, the skill shortage. How do you see what your work at the Fortify Institute is doing to directly kind of help people join the cybersecurity industry or maybe take the next steps from what they're already doing if they're already involved? Yeah, well, much of the work I do in Fortify Institute is as a consultant with other training providers where I get to deliver cybersecurity training to mainly industry professionals. Um, in Ireland, we have many government-backed initiatives to upskill the workforce. And one of these is a post-grad diploma in cybersecurity, which I'm delivering online in Ireland, but it's validated by the University of Sunderland. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I'm also working with national training bodies to roll out initiatives to upskill job seekers. And if that's successful, which I'm pretty sure it will be, we're going to roll it out in Europe. And then I also deliver a diploma in cybersecurity with UCD Professional Academy three nights a week. So that's, that keeps me very busy. <laughs> but one of the other things that I am um, passionate about is getting more women back into the workplace um, after they've taken a break. Um, so that what we have seen is that there are many organisations that do returner programmes for women, but what I've also identified is that this isn't just a problem, an issue for parents or just mothers, but it's also, we often have other reasons where we might take a break from, an extended break from work. Maybe we travel, maybe work, we have suffer illness or uh, we have other caring responsibilities. So when organizations do run returner programs, they're hugely successful. So cyber security companies and information security companies should take this opportunity to run these types of supported re-entry re into the workforce to aid or to reduce that skills gap. And then we also have an issue with the skills drain. Because we have a shortage of cyber security professionals, the people who are in the industry are feeling the pinch. They're very, um, they're, they're overworked essentially. So we need to care for and support the teams we have and to make sure that they don't uh, suffer burnout and then we're in a worse situation. Definitely agree with a lot of the points you've raised there. And before we go into more detail, there's, um, and there's two things I want to pick up after our ad break, and that's the upskilling people that have not necessarily been in the industry or haven't necessarily had jobs for a while and also I want to talk about your personal story, because in the article um, that you wrote, you mentioned about how you took time off from work and then entered the workplace after having a family. Um, so we'll just pause for a quick ad break there and then head further into our discussion. This podcast is kindly sponsored by Tufin. Tufin is known for its expertise in security policy automation. Tufin makes network security simpler easier and more resilient in minutes instead of days. The issue of women re-entering the workplace is something not unique to cybersecurity. And obviously you've mentioned how the return to work programs are highly successful when companies do do them. And in the article that you wrote about your story, you mentioned how you had taken time out of the workplace to um, bring up a young family, which I think many, many women and men do. 
Um, what was your experience and kind of what did you learn from that experience as a woman, as an educator and in technology? Yeah, well, when I left the workplace, I wasn't teaching then. I was a practitioner then. I was an electronics te technician in a college and my husband was in the army. So we hadn't got the options uh, the opportunities are the options that you may have now of sharing those um, caring responsibilities because he, he was away a lot. Um, but what I see now, like I see young families now and they do have a bit more flexibility. So it's not always on one parent because families are so diverse now. It's not often, it's not always the mother who has to take the hit. But what we need to do is protect our careers. Okay, our careers are one of the biggest assets that we have. And in any situation, we should um, protect our careers because we don't know what lies ahead. And, and as women and as uh, or whoever is going to take the hit, you need to be mindful of that because when you're, you're, you're faced with that choice, you often want to take the time out because you want to be with this gorgeous little baby. <laughs> but, um, but just have that little chat with yourself talk to your partner and um, talk to your support network and um, hopefully maybe not take a total break or maybe reevaluate maybe you do different type of work and um, the work from home um, and hybrid work is an option now where it wasn't before so absolutely consider all eventualities and i'm not saying don't take a break if that's right for your family do what you need to do but just have that long-term plan in place as well yeah it's interesting because it really speaks to myself um not to not to make this conversation about me but it makes me think of a conversation I was having with a friend recently and she's got a really good corporate job um and she's thinking probably in the next three to five years she's um gonna have a family and I don't think she's made that long-term plan yet but she said to me something that really stuck out was mm, I've been talking to my partner and I've explained to him, yes, I'm a high earner now, but I feel like I've reached my peak earning potential because I will have that break and then I will come back and I'll have missed out so much. So even if there's opportunities there afterwards, I think it's also about communicating it to women and making sure that people understand that actually in today's working culture, just because you have a gap on your resume or your CV doesn't mean that you then start. Well, you're not going to start from the beginning, but it doesn't mean you're necessarily set back. Um, what yeah. would you kind of think about that kind of comment? Because it's, it's something yeah. we had a long discussion about it, actually. Yeah. Well, absolutely. We're our own worst enemies sometimes. And we, we hear about the um, imposter syndrome and, and these things. And what we also do is underestimate the skills we have and we underestimate the transferable skills we have because you could uh, return into cybersecurity from another and information security from another industry and you could you may have you may not have tech skills maybe you do but it but don't don't root it out just because you don't have tech skills you could have excellent project management management skills you could be excellent in compliance and um, just many other areas that are crying out for those types of skills as well and we don't we don't see it we're not good at pushing ourselves into those types of roles and if there are returner programs, take them up on it. But if there aren't, there are lots of other initiatives out there to help you gain skills. The National Cybersecurity Centre has a, a list of resources that you can train online or 
at local training centres. Um, there's huge, there's so, like even Udemy has a course for everything that you could yeah. even think about. Um, so like, we just need to, um, to do it. And what I often get people come to me looking for advice about, they want to get into cybersecurity, they hear about all these opportunities, like where do you start? And I, I, one of the things I do say is congratulations, okay? You've identified cybersecurity for the mine of opportunities that it is and just dive in. So join, um, like sign up to any webinars, go to the conferences, um, volunteer at the conferences, and join the community groups, get involved with B-sides, and just find out what what is it about uh, the industry that you particularly like, and then run with it. Because um, there's just, it's just, it's a brilliant career. It's a brilliant, it's such a a supportive community. And uh, I know I'm in Ireland, but like I know a lot of the the people in the industry and in the UK as well were were brilliant. And even in, in the US, there is a really supportive group of people, um, and we're crying out for we're crying out for people with a passion. Okay, so what what when you're looking to um, recruit people, you'll always hear that the skills can be learned, but it's the passion that they they look for. Yeah, I, I would agree with you on the community as well. If you're not sure where to start, a conversation is a really good place to start. So someone like yourself or someone that you know locally or nearby in your region, or or attend the events. Yeah. There's so many, now we're back to live events, the live event calendar is rolling. There's so many UK, Europe, um, I think there's events in Ireland as well. Yeah. Um, and they're always so welcoming. And I think the perception from outside of cyber, and I think I found this before I started covering cyber, because I've covered a number of different industries, is that it's going to be super techy, you're going to need to know how to code and you're going to need to know all these really high tech things that seem impossible. But actually, when you start having conversations with people like we do on the chats podcast, you find out that actually a lot of it is not super tech focused. You have to have an understanding of how people work, of risk, all different things. Yeah. So there's just because it says cyber doesn't necessarily mean it's sit in front of a computer yeah. Absolutely not. Let's take a quick break here to tell you a little bit about our podcast sponsor, Tufim. Organisations are rolling out digital transformation programmes at breakneck speed, and Tufim helps security teams to do this more quickly and safely by providing a way to manage policies across hybrid networks. The Tufin orchestration suite is already helping more than 2,000 CISOs and CIOs manage some of the largest and most complex networks in the world. Businesses choose Tufin because they simplify the management of IT networks by creating a centralized network security management hub. Tufin reduces complexity and risk and helps businesses create the perfect platform for continuous collaboration. Tufin gives organizations the ability to implement the changes in minutes instead of days. As this, the Tufin orchestration suite reduces the attack surface and gives greater visibility into secure and reliable application connectivity. Tufin's partnerships with industry leaders means that the Tufin orchestration suite also enables streamless integration. And just on the diversity kind of point as well, 
as we're as we're discussing that. Obviously, we know that it is typically a male-dominated industry. So how do you think that men play a part in the diversity journey, whether that's including like minorities or people from different socioeconomic backgrounds, as well as women? How do the men that we see as like, okay, you're you're there, you're present, how do they get involved? Because there are a lot of fantastic men in the industry that have really good things to talk about and points to make. Um, So I'd just like to get your take on that. Like any men I speak to about this issue, they agree with me. (laughs) But then what they'll often say is, what are you going to do about it? Okay, meaning what are the women going to do about it? And that's one of the things I would say is, yeah, men play a big part in the lack of diversity, but the women can't fix it. (laughs) Okay, We all need to fix it. And there is a very compelling incentive for us all to fix it. And that's because a more diverse workforce is a more secure workforce. And we know that, okay? Um, And we all just need to pull together to affect change. And what that means is that the people who who already have influence should use that power and influence for good, okay? And call it out when they see it. When they see a lack of diversity, call it out. And where you might see it, um, we finally moved away from Booth Babes. I was at InfoSec a few years ago <laughs> and um, there weren't any Booth Babes because um, Jane Franklin at the time had put together this pledge and we all had we all took the pledge that uh, the vendors wouldn't um, engage with, with Booth Babes or employ them and it was um, mm. and that that's one way, one time, one way that you could uh, we can all work towards. And then the other is the, the manual. Okay, so we're all familiar with the manual, which is the panel of men only. And so if you see that, call it out. And then what we do also see sometimes or often is that women, when women do have a platform, they're talking about women in tech. They're not talking mm. about their, their specialty okay, and their expertise. And that, so we're not there yet. Um, it is getting better, but, but when you see the women there, they shouldn't be just talking about women in tech. They should be talking about their, you know, because they have they have the expertise as well. Yeah, definitely. And from our point of view, I guess I can kind of give the the other side of the coin in terms of like the the manual. We try and avoid. I try and avoid it as much as I possibly can, um, because I've sat throughout my career in plenty of them. <laughs> Um, but I would encourage women to cut step forward as well. We yeah. want to know who you are. If you have something to say about business email compromise, in, can the Internet of Things ever be secured? All these questions that as um, a publisher and a media outlet we have and we're striving to answer. If you think, yeah. oh, well, I kind of do know a bit about that. Let us know, because we really want to engage in you and highlight you and your story. And I know I've asked you, I have asked you about what's it like to be a woman in tech. But I think hearing from someone like you who is an educator, I think that comes with like quite a lot of um, uh, respect, really, because you know how to put these arguments across and how to kind of engage with the women that we want to engage with as well. So yeah. I think I would encourage anyone that's listening, if you would like to participate and kind of break up the manual, um, 
please let me know. Or if you would like to just get involved in any way, I'm more than happy to have a conversation before we dive into putting you as the keynote speaker on something. Because it can, if you've not done it before, it can be a bit anxiety inducing. Well, that's something that employers can help with. And that is what we'll often find is speaking at these events tend to be things that you do in your own time. And what we know is that women don't often don't have a lot of free time because they have other responsibilities around um, caring and other things. So they won't prioritize that. So as employers, what we can do is give them the time to do these events and also give them um, give them the training so that they can deliver their message clear and concisely. Um, I've been involved in there's a group in Ireland called uh, Women on Air that delivers training for women to get their voice out there. So it's not just the tech, it's just in general. And it also provides a database of women who will speak uh, about their, their speciality as well. And then I'm also involved in Cyber Women Ireland and we do that as well. We platform women for these <laughs> for events. Um, yeah. So I'd imagine every every uh, community probably has a similar um, similar group that they could get involved in. Actually, on that point, that kind of segues nicely into what I wanted to talk about next with you is your kind of passion for the community side of um, what you're doing. And I know, as you mentioned just then, you're um, involved in Cyber Island and you're also involved in the European Agency for Cybersecurity, one of their working groups. So um, just wanted to touch on what your involvement is there and kind of how you got involved and how you, how others could kind of follow your lead. How I tend to get involved with things is not being able to say no. <laughs> I think that's, <laughs> is that a female trait? I'm not yeah. sure. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I get asked and I say yes and then I go oh my god why did I say yes but um but yeah I never regret these things I do tend to stretch myself a bit thin but you know no regrets um but there are a couple of of uh, groups that I'm involved in at the moment that I'm particularly passionate about and one is Cyber Women Ireland and what we do is we work our mission is to increase participation of women in cyber and also to to support those women to stay in the industry throughout their careers. And it's a wonderful group and we have some amazing, talented women involved. And then I'm also involved in the National Cyber Awareness Task Force in Ireland. And we are collaborating with Safe Ireland, which is a domestic abuse charity. And we're creating resources for frontline workers to aid victims of tech facilitated abuse. That's often termed stalkerware, those type of applications. So we create free content for victims to identify if their devices or maybe their children's devices have spying apps and the like, and what steps they can take to keep themselves safe. And that initiative is going to be launched at the Cyber Ireland conference this month, October. So I'm really, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, definitely um, some really great um, initiatives to be involved in. And the stuff you're doing with the Cyber Island, do you see that there's going to be international reach from some of these things, some of these projects that you're doing? Because they seem like yeah. they're quite um, industry leading. Well, the the tech facilitated abuse, the, a lot of the course content we're actually getting from Australia and we're rebranding, which is they, they do 
they have fantastic resources and it's a, a government sponsored um, agency that delivers them out there. So you'll find that a lot of the, the different um, countries and the agencies within the different countries are happy to share these types of resources because it's, it's, we all have a common goal. Um, yeah, so definitely I can see how the only thing, if we're doing it for frontline workers, you'd have to be part of a, a group, you know, you'd have to be a frontline worker, but that would be easily enough um, figured out from emails and that type of thing. The goal is to make it freely available. You need to be careful though, because we can't make it too freely available because when you're dealing with this type of issue, um, often the perpetrators, if they have too much information, it can compromise um, the victim. Mm. So yeah, it's a sensitive topic and you don't mm. want to, it's a balancing act, isn't it? Yeah. Making it accessible, but then also not making it so it's um, manipulated by a bad yeah. individual or person. It's such a ongoing issue that no one really has that answer to. Um, so it's great to see initiatives like this kind of taking a step forward saying, right, this is the education that people need to kind of help them with identifying these issues, I guess. For me, like it is so important that I, one of the reasons I was part of that great resignation was that I could make time for this type of work. And um, because none of this is paid work. <laughs> so, um, and I, I do find it very rewarding. And I'd recommend anyone, if you get the opportunity to give back in this way and for organisations, if you can facilitate time for your workers to be able to give this, give back in this way, you'll reap the benefits. Absolutely. Yeah, I think especially for employers, it's if they give their staff the time to work on this, it's also rewarding and kind of another topic that we won't dive into just yet, it, or, or on this podcast at least, but something for further discussion is like, the stress and the anxiety that we feel. But often when people have time to devote to these kind of projects, that helps in the way, because like you said, you find it really rewarding and that's a really positive thing for an individual to be able to be involved in. But if they feel like, oh, I don't have the time for that, I'm constantly doing other stuff, that can kind of add to that workload stress that you think, oh, well, oh, I wish I was doing something a bit more, but I'm not able to. And you can yeah. kind of see the spirals. So it's definitely for not just for individuals to get involved, but for people that have big teams or have um, represent big organizations to kind yeah. of think, right, how can I take the step and work with a project like that? We've got great skills. We've got people that want to drive um, forward thinking initiatives. Yeah. yeah, and it might even be giving like the human resources. You could give um, a, a room in your, in your building for, you know, to do training or maybe give some training uh, resources or online training resources. It, like it doesn't have to be just the, the man hours. There's lots of other ways that uh, organisations can support groups. Well, I think after hearing all that, and it's amazing the community work you do, I think I'd like to hand it over to you to kind of give us a hint as to what's coming up next. So I know you mentioned um, to me previously that Fortify Institute, your um, business is going to have a rebrand of the website. So I think I would encourage people to definitely go and check that out um, and have a look at what you're offering a bit more. I think you've given us a good taster here, but there's definitely more to find out. I'd also encourage people to 
connect with you on LinkedIn. But outside of that, um, what else would you like to highlight before we sign off from this month's episode? Yeah, well, I'm really looking forward to the Cyber Ireland conference, which is on in Cork on the 5th of October. And then on the 6th of October, we have the ICTTF uh, European Cyber Security Awards. And I've been nominated as uh, the Cyber Security Educator, which I am absolutely chuffed about. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that as well. So a busy week. And then um, I want, I'm putting together resources for the Cyber Women Ireland uh, website for people who want to get into cybersecurity. So I'm going to do some, um, record some online training for them as well. And then I have my own training going on as well. I'm doing the certified ethical hacking training because uh, I want to, be, want to be able to deliver that course. And I'm also doing the CCSK, which is a Certified, certified Cybersecurity Knowledge Trader Program. So I, I can't wait to get stuck in with, with all of those different uh, courses to deliver. Oh, fantastic. Busy, yeah, busy yeah. time ahead. <laughs> I just I just keep thinking back to what you said about like being busy not saying no you but I think it's like just amazing the amount of ambition you have and the constant desire to learn is I think a very impressive trait in anyone and I often wonder I should probably get stuck into some online courses and stuff myself um, in my spare time now that I'm um, firmly in the seat of editor at Info Security uh, magazine. But um, thank you so much, Jan, for joining me today. Um, I think you've offered a lot of considered insight, a lot for our listeners to kind of go away and think about and actually take action with. I think there's a lot of points that you made where I, even myself thinking, right, okay, actually there's something I could do off the back of that. Um, I know you're active on LinkedIn, um, so for anyone that does want to reach out, um, find Jan on LinkedIn, and I'm sure she'd be happy to talk about any of the projects she's working on today or her business, the Fortified Institute. So encourage you to do that. But with that, we have come to the end of uh, this month's episode of the Chats podcast. So thank you so much, Jan, for joining me. And I'll take that opportunity to say um, goodbye to everyone. Thank you. Thank you, both. Bye. And finally, one last word from our sponsor, Toofin. If you're a CIO or CISO dreaming of a centralized network security management hub that can unify complex network environments, Toofin can help you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Into Security Chats. For more from the Info Security team, make sure you head to our website to check out all the latest news, opinion, blogs, webinars and live events. And we look forward to you joining us again next month on the Chats podcast to hear from our future industry leading guests. Thank you.